0: go to empoweredwisdomshow.com. For now, please enjoy today's show and don't forget to subscribe for daily inspiration from our very special guests. Hello and welcome to the empowered wisdom show this is your host Molly McCartney and today we are talking about how grief and trauma can open your eyes to your path, and your true calling. Talking with Jen Bergard today she's the founder of Haven, and it's an organization that supports women who have lost children, and um, as as we know whether you have children or not that's got to be one of the deepest pains a human can face. And um, Jen has a beautiful story, not only about how she does this work and, and what Haven's all about, but how she went from being an interior designer and that was her job and and at the time it worked for her, but losing her son ended up really opening her eyes to this deeper path and this deeper spiritual calling that she Maybe she'll tell us more about it. Maybe she knew it was there and was saying like, no, no, I don't, I'm don't. i not sure what to do. And this gave her that purpose or it was just revealed to her through that very shamanic um, experience of loss. I know I, have, I had my own losing my father at, at a very young age and walking around in a world that didn't always understand grief and, and that kind of emotional trauma that can come with complicated grief. And I think that that makes you look at the world a little bit differently. And it does. Once you heal from that, it really makes you want to help others going through it. So I'm excited to talk to Jen today and uh, hear her story. So welcome, Jen. How are you? I am great. How are you doing? I'm good. Thank you. I'm good. So why don't you share with us a little bit more about your organization?
1: Absolutely. So our organization was founded in 2017. and it is called Haven and can be found at Haven Midwest pretty easily. Um, So really uh, we support parents who are experiencing the death of a child through pregnancy loss, infant loss, young childhood, and just really providing that immediate resource for those parents so that they realize right away they don't have to go it alone. They are not in this by themselves, right? And, And really to give them hope that you know there are others out there and and you can survive this. Um you can. You can survive this and it does not feel like it right away. Um but you can. You can mm-hmm. and we would just really want to give people that hope
0: I love that. So uh, do you offer counseling services or group support? How how do you support these parents as they're going
1: through so, this? So oddly enough, myself I'm not a counselor. Um I don't hold uh, a special license or anything, but what I do hold is experience and I felt like there was a certain amount of resources that are available, right? So whether it be a counselor, whether it be um, a support group or a t- traditional group that's, you know, you sit in a circle and, hi, my name is Jen, and this is the horrible thing that happened to me, and next, 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 right? And I, I found, and I attended those, but I found that they weren't really doing it, right? It, it just didn't feel natural. It didn't feel like I could connect with these women, even though I knew I had this in common. I wasn't connecting, and so I explored that a little bit. And I said, "Okay, what are the things that I wish I had had when I was in a deep, dark place? Right? What what would have helped?" And I thought about gifts that were given to me that were actually helpful. I thought about books that I read that were actually helpful, that were timely, that weren't written in 1982, you know. Um, and so the talk gives you permission to talk about grief, talk about your loss, and be honest and open with what you're going through and Um, unapologetically, really. And then the second part of it was one of the biggest struggles for me, of course, after losing my son was going back out in public again, going to events, going to anywhere, going to Target, right? It was Mm. all so triggering, um, whether it be seeing pregnant women, babies that would be my child's age, you know, all of these things were really difficult. So I said, what if we gave these parents an opportunity in a place that was safe? A place that was safe to take that first step back out into the community among a bunch of other parents who just get it like they get it you can look in their eyes and you can know that they have felt the pain that you feel and that brings an immediate sense of comfort and trust right and and so then you're able to really open up and that is how we organically make friendships right and connections because if you think about your best friends your close friends you didn't meet them in a support group, traditionally, most people, right? You met them because of a shared experience. Um, You know, whether it be, oh, we were both at this coffee shop doing this event. And then we just got to talking and it's natural, right? It's organic. And that is how we form connections as humans. And so um, I felt like I could offer a place for those connections to be made. So we started hosting like uh, wreath making classes at christmas time mothers day floral workshops that they could get together and we'd have an instructor here and she would teach them all how to make their own floral arrangement for mothers day because well, a mom who's lost her child should not be forgotten on mothers day right mm-hmm. and so all of these events will deep and special meaning but also are fun they're fun and they're not you know there's tears every time but there's a lot of laughter there's mm-hmm. so much laughter and i think laughter is sometimes the key because you can feel guilty laughing after major traumatic grief and loss experience, right? You can feel like, oh, I can't, I'm allowed to be happy. I'm not allowed to laugh, but with this group you can. And because it doesn't feel bad, you know, you're like, no, you can laugh with me and then we can cry in the next breath and that's okay. Right. Yes. And so you form those connections. So really it was built off of all of that. And then you know, as kind of word got out, it just kept growing. And um yeah, so we've sent our healing gifts across the country into Canada and to Australia at this point. So cool. um and then hosting events here and then in another chapter about six hours south of us. So
0: I love that. Well, you know, what you're talking about is very <clears throat> therapeutic, just getting together to be creative. And chit chat and you know it's like art of craft therapy and then also it's just beautiful yeah it's the difference between mourning like this public show of grief and the real journey of grief mm-hmm. and depending on personality that can be you know somebody might need that laughter might need that that kind of um, i guess levity to to get through that difficult time and not sit there in the in that dark space that's inevitably going to come back and and it's going to be that cycle that they can work through and i, I love that that's just beautiful and the, and that you're bringing in that natural aspect because you're right those support groups um you know as far as i understand it's you know there's you can't really connect. It's just about that, you know, expression of self and everybody listening. But if mm-hmm. if that's what you're craving, and and maybe even a hug at the end, you know, <laughs> to feel like right. you met that new friend, that's a really um, innovative way to bring people together for that healing process. Mm-hmm. Very cool. So, can you share a little bit about your story, and however much you're comfortable with? I know you probably share it a lot, um, but you know you're you're going about your life. You're an interior designer. You're pregnant. Your your child is coming. Can you share with us that kind of origin story of Haven and and why? Oh you started
1: yes, with? I love sharing about my son. So I'm happy to. So in uh, 2016. Um, I was, we just moved into this new house and I had a daughter at home who was just about three. Um, my husband was finally full-time working into his career. I had found a career, um, in interior design and I'd been practicing interior design for 10 years at that point. And, um, you know, that's what my major was in college and, and I had a passion for it and I was good at it. And, um, yeah. So I just felt like everything was perfect. Right. I was like, this is it. My life is lining up just like I wanted it to. And I thought it was just great. And you know, then I find out my second child's going to be a boy, even better, you know, like now I've got a boy and a girl and look at us. And I was exactly 39 weeks to the day and about to head into, uh, my checkup, just the doctor's appointment. And I was to be induced two days later. Um, and I had just this wave of anxiety that morning. And I just woke up feeling so anxious and um, anxiety and depression is something that I battled. And I was like, this is just, what. it's out of nowhere. And I couldn't pinpoint it. And just, let's just be nerves for my appointment. It'll be fine. And I sat down at the breakfast counter um, just for a rest. You know, you're 39 weeks pregnant, you run out of room and you get tired really easily. <laughs> so <laughs> sat down and immediately I felt better. I'm like, okay, let's eat. Oh, I just took a breath. When I looked over at my husband, and I'm like, oh my gosh, I think my water just broke. Oh my gosh. And I was so excited. I was like, this is it. This is it. It's happening. And um, come to realize moments later, um, I had passed out on the floor and I was bleeding. And, um, you know, we... A lot of things happened, but we got into the hospital as quickly as we could, and um, I ended up going in for an emergency C-section. I'd had a complete placental abruption. Um, That is where your placenta completely detaches from your uterus. And for those that don't know, that is how baby gets everything, oxygen, food, everything. And um, he was born via C-section, and I was out for the surgery. And when I woke up, um, I didn't know. What had happened? I didn't know how my baby was, what was happening, and I knew that I had to have my husband tell me. So I waited, and he came in, and he just simply said, "We're not going to get to take him home." And I didn't really know what that meant. I knew it was bad. I just know he couldn't say it. He couldn't say it, and so he said, "But do you want to see him?" And I said, "Yeah." I still not knowing what that meant, and um, I saw him, and he was perfect. He was absolutely perfect six pounds, 13 ounces, the pinkest little baby you ever did see. I mean, he was, he got this golden hair. I mean, he's just perfect. He's beautiful. Um, but he has a breathing tube in and then they explain, well, this machine is keeping him alive. So I said, how long do we have? And they said, you have as long as he'll give you And so we loved on him for just under 13 hours. Um, He was a little fighter and he could have lasted minutes and he was with us for so long until I was so exhausted. I couldn't even keep my eyes awake. But I think that's the moment that we just kind of, I don't know, it's like we felt it. Like he knew I was ready. I I wasn't, but I, I couldn't do it anymore. And so he took his last breaths in our arms and we left couple of days later with an empty car seat in the back and 3-year-old to try to explain all of this to and you know uh, family and friends and coworkers and colleagues and the rest of our network of humans right that we had to explain this to and yeah, we waited days before finally announcing on social media just cuz you know people were waiting for baby you know waiting for the baby to come and so finally my husband announced it and I went into a incredibly, an incredibly dark place, um, that I'd never been in before grief and loss and isolation. I had amazing family and friends, right? I had the gift of that, but I still felt like I was the only one this had ever happened to. What century is this? What did I do wrong? I blamed myself. I, you know, so many what ifs. I mean, every, they talk about the, um, the the grief stages right which mm-hmm. is well let's blow all that up right right now right it's not a circle it's not, so a, circle. Go, it's not no, a straight line guess, it's yes it's this hot mess of a thing you know <laughs> yes it is yes it is mm-hmm. <laughs> and and so once I think you accept that that can be really helpful that you're gonna go backwards a lot and you're gonna mm-hmm. jump forwards and then backwards and um yeah you will eventually hit what is rock bottom, but you won't be able to define that, what that is until you're on the other side of it, unfortunately. So um, I took my, you know, maternity leave, which turned into bereavement leave. And then, you know, my workplace was so great. And I said, you come back whenever you feel right, you know, or or okay to come back. And eventually I'm like, well, I got to go back to work. Right. And so I went back half time and then I went back full time and I I had some ter- trepidations about seeing my clients and, you know, cause most of my clients were, um, large corporations, right. I was doing commercial interior design. So my clients, you know, were running large businesses and had, you know, big projects and have big responsibilities and, and for meeting those projects needs and their, their employees needs. And so, um, you know, I started going into those meetings and they would say, well, oh, how's baby, you know, and then I would have to, explain what happened and and I got a lot of mixed reviews on that (laughs) Mm. um some people really didn't want to talk about it some were you know incredibly sorry and wanted to know all the details were incredibly empathetic so there's a little bit of everything but the work must go on so once you get through that step you know I'm I'm procuring furniture again I'm doing installations I'm doing all this stuff well things happen right in any job like there are problems that come up, and you have to problem solve, right? That's your job is to solve this problem. Mm-hmm. And Only I will never
0: fight of the brain, right? <laughs> then yeah. That grief. Yes.
1: <laughs> yeah. And all while this is going on, you know, mm-hmm. um, I'm losing time while I'm driving to this client meeting because all I can think about is my son. But then I got to pull in and like, okay, now we care about desks. Okay. Okay. This is what we care about. And mm-hmm. um, we had a delivery come in and I've told this story before because I think it really was a moment, a pivotal moment for me um, because I had a client that was upset because a chair came in the wrong color. They still had the chair to sit on and they could use it until the new one would arrive in a handful of weeks. But they were so upset about this chair and and the color of it because the color was wrong. And I was like, yeah, I know that's a, that's a bummer, but we're going to get it fixed. We'll be back. You won't be charged for any of this. You know, the, there's no monetary issue here. We'll get you your right chair. You just got to be a little more patient. And they were livid. They were livid. <laughs> they could not see past this chair. And I accept now I, I accept it. you know, they most likely had something else going on in their life and it maybe wasn't about the chair for him either. <laughs> mm-hmm. Um. And I accept that. But in that moment, I felt like this person could not see the perspective that I had, right? I have a perspective of what really matters in life. You know, I just went through the most traumatic thing, arguably, a person can go through, the loss of their child. And you're mad about this chair, and we are not going to find common ground here. You know, it just... (laughs) Mm. And so different
0: worlds, different worlds, different
1: worlds. And I think it was a handful of those experiences that just started adding up and adding up and adding up. And I'm like, I think this feels right. This doesn't feel impactful. It doesn't feel like the best use of my time because now my time away from my living daughter is so valuable. Right. So I'm If I'm gonna spend time away from my daughter, who's here, who's alive, and I love, and I'm kind of desperately clinging onto, it's gonna be worth it, you know. And this doesn't feel worth it. This is not filling my cup. Mm -hmm. So, what am I doing here, you know? And during this time, I had started dabbling in, you know, as like I'm gonna call the organization a craft project because it was. It was simply something to heal my heart, and it felt. So good. I will never forget uh, we do these what's called healing gifts, and they're full of books and resources and things um, that we actually found helpful that were useful to us and useful to other moms, you know, that that came out and said, Oh, this this is a great resource. Perfect. Thank you. You know. And so we packed these bags full of these things. And the very first one I delivered was to a woman I'd never met. And I, I showed up on her doorstep because we're local. <laughs> and I <clears throat> oh, couldn't believe it because when I showed up on her doorstep, I realized when they opened the door, they're in you know full grief mode, right? They lost their son not too long ago. But her husband, I knew, and I went to high school with him, and we had graduated together. And I was like, <laughs> what? What? Oh, my wow. God. <laughs> How are you? Oh, my gosh. You know? And so it was... And I just hugged them and I was like, you never know when you are going to be reacquainted with somebody, you know, or like at what point they're going to find themselves in your life or you in theirs. And It was mind boggling. And and the messages from that family um, about how that gift and that knowing that someone was there and that someone like me was surviving still gave them hope that they could survive too. And that there's a path forward for them too. And that moment was like, Oh my God, this is what I've been craving. This is the feeling doing things that feel like they fill your heart up and, and heal your heart. And you know, there's, there's, mm-hmm. it just, it, it's difficult to describe, but it, it just felt so different. And, and that switch was flipped and I'm like, well, can I just do this all the time? (laughs) How do I chase that? I would chase that feeling, you know? And (laughs) I just, I I don't know. I had, it felt so right. It just Mm -hmm. felt so right. And when I finally made the decision to leave my interior design job, um, you know, I think they wanted me to stay. And a part of me wanted to stay too, just because they wanted me to stay. But it felt like I was making that next right choice. And I just, from deep in my soul, it felt right. Yeah. And you don't get a lot of those decisions, right? You don't get a lot of those moments where you can be so sure. I mean, there's so many moments since that I'm totally unsure, but <laughs> <laughs> in that moment I was sure. And I was like, no, I can do this. I have got this. And this, this isn't just going to be for my son, Henry. right This is going to be for all of the parents, like first family, that got a gift, you know, it's going to be for them because that gift that I can give them is a gift to me too. And absolutely. so that's, yeah. that's really where that pivotal moment happened. Uh,
0: love it. And
1: I've tried not to look back. I love it. I love it. And I love how you describe, you know,
0: that when you're in your yes with these big decisions and that's you know we we can use our intuition every single day of course you know what to Mm -hmm. eat what to wear you know when to go do something and it can be very granular like that but the most important thing is to tune into it in those big moments where you're taking those big turns at a crossroads that can change completely change your life if you use logic you know at that time you would have been like well no this is the you know the stable job and this is what i need for the family and and you know your intuition your spirit said nope we're doing this whole other thing which now has you helping other people heal and transforming your life and healing your life every day. And I think it's so important for those out there listening who are called to something that maybe they don't know anybody doing anything like it. It's like, that's because spirit is calling you to create this. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and oftentimes the place where our wound is, is, is once we heal that, or as we heal that is how we help other people. And a calling is is always about helping other people. There's always some some deeper meaning to it and a deeper impact than just what's going to happen with your life. So I think that's really beautiful that in that moment, It was like, you've heard the call and that feels good. That feels like a, yes, I'm going to go that direction, even in the midst of your own healing. I mean, you were still probably Mm -hmm. going
1: through quite a bit of grief at the time. Absolutely. And it did feel, you know, like you say, there's, there's so many opportunities to listen to your inner self. Right. But we probably, for me, I ignore those. (laughs) I just ignore them but at the big moments right (laughs) at the big moments mine comes in clutch (laughs) yeah good and she speaks loudly yes and she's like not this time Uh -uh, (laughs) okay okay. this (laughs) time I really need you to pull it through here (laughs) I
0: love it well it's it's interesting that that you mentioned that this difficult time opened your eyes to your own empathic nature can you share a little bit about that that you weren't as aware of it before and then yeah. experiencing this kind
1: of opened that up. I think this is the key. This is something in the recent years that I've really started to understand about myself is and understand that people have different levels of empathy and it just, it sits differently in every person. Um, and so I don't think I really understood that until not too terribly long ago, but now when I look back, when I was doing that job, uh, with design um, there's a fair amount of, uh, um, you just got to deal with it and get over it. You got to get over it. That, that goes with that. Like you're taking it to, you're it taking it too it personally, is. Jen, like it you're taking it, it too personally. Like they're going to be mad. You just got to like, let them be mad at you. And they'll get over it. And I'm like, Whoa, like, uh, I'm not good with that. You know, if they're upset. I'm upset, you know? And, um, so there'd be, you know, cause there's always problems in every project. There's a problem. There's an issue. Someone's mad about something, you know, but I couldn't not take it personally. It just, and I I remember having conversations with friends after a quote unquote bad day, and saying, "Gosh, like I just I feel so bad. This client is so so mad at the at the company, and I I don't know what to do. And it's keeping me up at night, and it's like stressing me out. And I'm like, well, why are you so upset about? It? I don't know. I just feel bad. Well, it's not yours to hold on to. I'm like, but I'm still holding on to it, right? when I could never, when I would, I'd talk myself up and be like, okay, today you are going to just not care. This is, this is you being a badass. I don't know if I can say that, but you're not caring today. Right. (laughs) And so that's my plan. Oh, and I would fail miserably at it. Like the first ounce of, you know, I'm like, oh, my heart. Um, and so empathy and really understanding, the person that you are and not trying to change that. I think I was trying so hard to change that about myself. So no wonder it didn't work, right? <laughs> no wonder it didn't work. Clearly, I needed to be in a position and in a role that allows me to embrace my empathic heart, right? And to um, feel the feelings of others appropriately and and respond to them because I know how, because I have been there and I can empathize with you. And oh, that is, it took me a while to understand that that is, you know, an innate gift in itself that I've been given. Um, I, I still sometimes do and joke about my my empath, my empathetic card. I'm like, oh, it's my empathy talking again. I just need to relax. <laughs> but But truly it does serve me and my mission so well But this is the only place I should be, right? And I've said that before. I think I will never not work in a nonprofit world in a nonprofit industry that helps other people because it is what my heart needs. It's what my soul needs because it is the person that I am. And the harder yeah. And I think (laughs) I got into design because I wanted to help people and I wanted to help create these beautiful spaces and, and bring their vision to light, but that's not. What it is,
0: <laughs> yeah, That's most not all in it com- is. the commercial world, especially I, I could imagine uh, if you yeah. go off on a tangent about that. But yeah. you know, I, I think you're you're completely on the money with that, and and knowing our archetypes or knowing what we're made of, and and how important it is to be of service. Some of us have that that essential helper in us or that visionary or that healer that that needs to help. I mean, I know some some people that whether it's children or or trap, neuter and release cats or, you know, rescuing mm-hmm. animals, you know, it's yep. like it is in their lifeblood. And and I yeah. think anytime we try to ignore that for the more uh, logical, you know, <laughs> I wouldn't say what you're doing is irresponsible because you can make you know a wonderful, successful life out of that as well. But we think that nine-to-five job or that stable, like, yeah, if we're doing it for someone else and it's something that is easily explainable, then we're going to be okay. And that's our our kind of
1: instinct to survive talking more than our intuition. Right. And, and, and- you're allowed to redefine what success is for you. Exactly. That's one thing. I think success isn't always, you know... A certain dollar amount, certain days of the week, certain status or level. It doesn't have to be that, you know, once you start looking inward and saying my success is found within me and I get to define what success is, no one else gets to define what success is for me. I'm doing that and I'm owning that. And I think that is a great way, you know, and I want to teach my children that, you know, yes. you don't have to do what everyone else says to succeed. You can simply work at, mcdonald's and be successful at that and feel good that you are paying the bills and you are providing for your family and that is successful you know so
0: right you're that's a beautiful point and abundance comes in all forms time Um, you know, just, yeah, the time to be with your family, the time to be with yourself, self-care time, and and all the other things. I think we forget about that in the Western world a lot. So that's thank you for pointing that out. That's (laughs) awesome. (laughs) Well, so with all this, you know, now that we're talking about success and you finding this fulfilling path for yourself, we always like to talk a little bit about the challenges that come along with following Mm -hmm. your calling. So you did mention that sometimes you have imposter syndrome, which surprises me, honestly, but you know, we'll go into that in just a minute um, because you are so self-assured and so certain of this, but um, the self-doubt about certain things still haunts you. So can you talk a little bit about how that's been present for you most
1: recently? Yeah, for sure. Um, So I didn't go to school with a business degree or for a business degree or leadership or board management or, you know, all of these things, right? Uh, Nope. I went to school for design. So I'm throwing myself into what, what I think sometimes people don't always understand about nonprofits is it is still running a business. Like at the end of the day, you're running a business and you need to keep it going And there is money in and there's money out and there's beauty in the mission. That's just your product, you know? So I think getting my head wrapped around that not only are you have this great heart and you're doing the good work, but I also have to step up from a business perspective side and make sure I know what I'm doing and what's best to keep this organization going. Um, Because I have donors that trust their funds with us. I have, other businesses and organizations that trust their funds with us. And so the biggest part is when I started uh, relying on, you know, my board of directors and, and I kept walking into meetings going, well, I don't know, like, what do you guys think? I don't know. What do you guys think? And for a while, I was really confident and knew what I was doing. But then my board of directors started to be, started to grow into really amazing folks with great business acumen and great experiences which is why you bring them on your board right because they have all these uh resources and tools and and smarts and all this stuff well then I started to shrink into myself and go well I don't know what do you guys think what do do you guys think we should do and like Jen you can make the decision you know what you want I'm like well I know what I want but I'm probably wrong <laughs> so, I think I've said I'm probably wrong more times. Oh, no, <laughs> you know, and so I like this imposter syndrome is so real. I've been doing this business for six years. What year is it? Good God. See, what year is it? 2023. For, like, yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So just about. Yep. For,
1: like six years almost. And I know what I'm doing, but sometimes, and I loved talking about the mission. I can talk about the mission, I could talk about why it's important and who we're serving and all of that. But when I start having conversations about, well, how are we going to market this? How are we going to do that? You know, I'm like, Ooh, uh, Ooh, I I don't know. it's, It's just because I don't believe that I'm capable to be this executive director of this mission, right? This organization. When course I am of course I am I built it That's you know right. it's <laughs> so all it's yours. Like, why does this part of my brain not tell this part of my brain <laughs> to shut up and just get to work <laughs> and put your put your boss lady pants on you know
0: like, I love it well let's take a look at that I've drawn some cards for you and I love to talk about this kind of stuff so if you don't mind me sharing with the audience um we'll get oh, started absolutely on that. please cool. do Well, you know, it's funny that, you know, you asked that question, this part of the brain and that part of the brain, because that's something that I talk about a lot with my work is um, that to follow our intuition, it's it's that subtle voice of the spirit and it speaks in terms of that inner yes, or maybe a clairvoyant vision or, uh, you know, words whispered in your ear, among other things and so that's your inner knowing but you have this wonderful egoic brain (laughs) that that likes to overthink everything because it likes to think it's the boss and it's got to figure everything out before it takes any steps and then you've got that instinct to survive and stay safe which is then that fear of judgment and that fear of i i don't know so i've got to i'll just lock down and not do anything or say you know i don't know um and so i
1: call that project paralysis (laughs) yes for sure
0: And so you've really like, you know, there's something here on this path about letting yourself be completely free to create and completely free to do whatever you want. Um, And there is some kind of underlying belief. And I do see that there's some generational or ancestral Things going on with that that's part of the pattern that that this just doesn't make sense like it's not like people don't do this, you know, just kind of take on this project and make their own so I don't know if there's a lack of understanding for entrepreneurship in the family or in in the, the social world around you or um, it's you're healing something that had been broken in the family line, something didn't work out. And so it's like, well, we're just going to stay safe and keep our heads down. But now that you're being, you know, being very visible, and showing up and saying, hey, I'm going to make a life out of this. um, There's definitely some of those those voices going on your head, and they're not yours, if that makes sense.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah,
0: that does make sense <laughs> yeah and so you're coming out of a time of having a tremendous amount of confidence and knowing that this is your path feeling the rightness in that and the more you step forward and work on quieting your mind and just really getting if you could have an advisor or a like I don't know if it's a coach or someone on your board that was just like here's what we're going to do like they're in charge of marketing you go I trust you let's do that like and, and all you have to do is listen to your inner yes and no Um, But you don't need to come up with things your higher self is going to help you make those determinations, but when you get into your head about it that's when the drama starts and and you get stuck. Um, So the biggest thing that's going on beneath the scenes here is that you have you have a journey to to go on with this you don't know it's a creative process it's not a logical process, so um, that whatever is. Again, in the generational line or the social you know just just society's training can even teach us that whether it's in your family or not. That you're either not allowed or this just isn't done or you know if there's not a road in front of you like I can't like a belief that you can't it's like I think Henry Ford said it, whether you think you can or you can't you're right. (laughs) (laughs) so so definitely be aware of your biggest obstacle which is when you feel like you need to um, you know your empathic nature is going to suffer a little bit through this journey because you're always considering your own feelings and everybody else's but you'll need to change the story around that instead of feeling like well well, I've got to be heartless and care more about the color of the chair than the people, you know, which I don't want to do. Um, I want to stay heart centered. Just know that you can have both and that sometimes you may need to, again, have more communication and more um, more openness with people to help them understand your decisions. But that's just your style and that's going to be just fine. But it doesn't mean you can't be the bad guy sometimes and make some decisions that are difficult. Um, and I feel that the overall, the, the kind of downhill of all of this after you face that challenge of acknowledging that you can be heart, a heart-centered leader, um, it's just about um, knowing if something's not growing, it doesn't mean, or if you don't see it growing, it doesn't mean it's not growing. Like, have you ever tried to watch plants grow in a garden? Like, it's, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. <laughs> but if you take oh, yeah. your yeah, you take your eyes off them for a couple of weeks, you're like, "Holy crap, what happened there?" You know. Yeah. <laughs> so definitely watching best the best case
1: scenario. Yes,
0: exactly. <laughs> but watching the the water boil is not going to be good for you. So so make sure that you keep your eye on the outcomes. And you know, I do see uh, having uh, that masculine or more assertive, logical presence there to help build a structure and maybe that's you maybe that's someone else is going to help you feel held and within that structure using your intuition and your empathy is going to be the heart of the business and heart of the organization, but wherever you are not clear on speaking your truth and don't feel comfortable talking about things because your truth is extremely powerful. I don't know if you know that, but while you were talking is one of the most powerful interviews I think I've done. So I'm mm-hmm. sitting here like, oh, I'm like in your experience. And there's so much power in that. So don't be afraid to share that and just get out of your head. I mean, that's the biggest thing. So meditation <laughs> yeah. um, and knowing you don't have to give away so much of yourself all the time that you can, it is okay to receive and to, and to make a decent living doing this work. So there's a couple of things there that are about redefining what it means to, to own a nonprofit and, and what it looks like, you know, to, to someone's life, like being the owner and founder of something like that.
1: <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, that's, that's spot on. I mean, that's some great advice and, and definitely things that I can take and, and work with. So I appreciate that.
0: You're so welcome. You're so welcome. Well, I, I just love to see people doing beautiful things like this in the world the world needs more of it especially these days oh my goodness so oh yeah for sure for <laughs> thank sure. you for choosing the healing path
1: <laughs> <laughs> well you're very welcome thank you for being
0: welcoming <laughs> you're welcome <laughs> uh, and anybody else out there that's just wondering hmm it's like it's changing out there it's changing and and we're the ones that have to change it we have we have to yeah. step in and say we're bringing all of this in together and it can be very wonderful way to to live and and to help others and to also make a living. So
1: it's beautiful, beautiful. Absolutely. Well, thank you. Thank you so much.
0: You're welcome. And thanks for sharing your light today. So where can people find out more about Haven if they're interested?
1: Yes. So we, of course, have a website that's at HavenMidwest.org. And then we are on social media. We are on Facebook. Uh, You can find us at Haven Midwest and Instagram at Haven underscore Midwest. Uh, You'll be able to find us both places. So um, we put most of our content up there. And then we also have a podcast uh, that you can find on our website called Landscape of Loss. And that's available everywhere. Beautiful.
0: And did you mention something, and I don't mean to overstep, but mention something mm-hmm. about starting um, chapters in other places? Is that something? Yes. That-
1: yeah, we recently, um, well, a year or so ago, we did launch a um, chapter in Omaha, Nebraska. And at some point, we're that's kind of our pilot program. So we're working through, you know, bumps and all that. And um, yeah, we'll be looking at uh, different communities that have a need that don't have support in their communities. Um, to kind of launch more things as we go here. So cool, cool. yeah, awesome. we're really excited about it. <laughs> wonderful. Well, again, thanks for being here today. We really
0: appreciate appreciate you sharing your light. Oh, thank you. Thank <laughs> you for holding space. You're welcome. And thanks everyone for listening. We'll catch you next time. Hey there, I hope you enjoyed today's show. If you'd like to hear more from our wise and wonderful guests, make sure you subscribe for daily interview content. And here's three ways I can help empower your wisdom for free. Number one, grab your copy of my Empower Your Life workbook. It will help you honor your inner voice, make way for new visions, and live with intention. Go to empoweredwisdomshow.com forward slash workbook to get your copy today. Two, if you're a woman with a well-established business or career, and your intuition is nudging you to go in a more spiritual direction, we want to interview you on this show. Head to empoweredwisdomshow.com. Three, Listen and subscribe to our sister podcast, The Empowered Wisdom Hour for free teachings, guided meditation, and channeled wisdom to help you thrive. You can listen on Apple, Spotify, and most major podcast platforms. At Empowered Wisdom Coaching, we help intuitive, spiritual, and high achieving women who feel disempowered by self-doubt and relationship patterns realize their power and go for what they want without holding back. If you're ready to release doubt, fear, and disempowering relationships so you can follow your calling and your bliss the intuitive way, Book a call to see how I can help. Go to mollymccartney.com forward slash chat.